be with the coach. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. www.d20radio.com Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPGs, a podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Hey, what's up, Gamer Nation? Welcome back to Me and Steve. I'm here today with my co-host Steve, as always. What is up? And uh, I guess first things first, um, you know, welcome back to the show, but we'd also like to uh, highlight another podcast from the D20 Radio Network, and, and this week I was going to go to the, the show that actually where I found the D20 Radio Network first, and that's Eberron Renewed, which is an actual play podcast. Obviously, you guessed from the name, set in the Eberron D&D setting, and they're actually now onto their second campaign. Their first campaign was in 5th edition D&D, uh, lasted, oh geez, about two, two and a half years. Really, really good campaign. But they have, in their second campaign, transitioned over to using the Genesis system, which you heard GM Chris talking to us about a couple weeks ago. Actually, shout out to previous guest, GM Eric. Yes, GM Eric runs a really good crew. They're a real joy to listen to. They have a real good chemistry between them, and they're very entertaining. So uh, go give them a listen. That's Eberron Renewed. So what do we go to next? Do you want to do a little, uh, little bits of weird gaming news you've come across this week? Sure, we'll do the news. <laughs> well, I don't know how news it is because, you know, this is probably a week and a half to two weeks before people will actually hear it, but... And it's also us, so we're not necessarily on the cusp of the most... I mean, we talked about 2020 for... <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of 2020, uh, this actually just dropped today. I saw it on the official Artalsorian Discord. They have a Humble Bundle that they just released that's going to be good for about a month. So by the time you hear this, it'll still be available, and they're releasing basically everything they have in PDF for Cyberpunk 2013, Cyberpunk 2020, as well as the Cyberpunk Red Jumpstart kit. And I think to get all of that, the donation is 25 bucks, and you're getting like, oh, geez, 15, 20 books? Yep, that are all 100-plus pages. Yeah, I mean, you get the Cyberpunk 2020 core, tons of the the the, uh, you know the expansion books chromebooks a bunch of that stuff and of course you know it's humble bundle it it goes to help charity so that's worth checking out yeah uh very noticeably missing from that is uh cyberpunk version (laughs) three well yeah that actually as i heard has been officially deleted from the canon well that's that's good (laughs) i guess um (laughs) For those of you that don't know, there was a version that, that came out after 2020, but before Red, and at time of recording, Red comes out uh, tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, hardcover comes out tomorrow, yes. So there was there was a version of Cyberpunk that came out after 2020, but before Red, called version 3, sometimes referred to in certain circles of as the, as the Green Book, or Cyberpunk Green, has some of the most... Uh, how do you want to say it? Interesting art? I think I've seen in a RPG in a while. Well, that actually, and I've heard this straight from the mouth of the man himself, 
Those are actually photos of Mike Pondsmith's personal collection of action figures. Yeah, I would believe that, because that seems like something he would do. It's not the most loved, because you go up, you go from the art of Cyberpunk 2020 to creepy... Well, it's it's the Uncanny Valley action figures, is what it is. They also changed some things mechanically, and people really didn't like version 3, so that's why it's been sort of just deleted from the canon. Mm -hmm. And another thing I found, and I know I posted this on our Discord server, which, by the way, any of y'all out there want to come join us, please. Be fun to have more people to talk to. I talk to myself all the time, and, you know, it's really weird when you do it in print. But anyway, I did find out, too, and I don't know if I brought this up, Nightfall Games, which we have mentioned, they make Slay Industries. They also just recently announced that they have acquired the rights to do a Terminator RPG. And it will be using the same engine as the Slay Industries. But a little bit of digging today, I found out the license they have for it actually only includes the canon of the original movie, The Terminator, and the Dark Horse graphic novels. So I know a lot of people kind of feel like that's the would be the really interesting period to play in as opposed to, you know, Terminator 2 and so on. Yeah, that would be fun. It kind of bums me that it's the Dark Horse graphic novels because uh, that rules out any sort of Robocop v. Terminator crossover because a couple of years ago, IDW owned rights to both of those and put out a pretty fun crossover series. They also, other people have done that over the years, Terminator and RoboCop. It's been a fun little romp through that. No, I, I definitely excited for a Terminator game set in using the Slay Industries, like using that mechanics, that system is going to be really nice. Mm-hmm. And that's a good time period to put it because it's before they ruined everything. <laughs> well, the other thing that I found and uh, you'll be happy to hear this, Steve. They are planning to have a quick start out on drive through before the end of the year. Ooh. They haven't hinted as to when, like, they'll probably kickstart the actual game. They haven't hinted to that yet, but... Look forward to me putting up on Facebook and Twitter and everywhere the podcast can be found looking for people to play that. Because <laughs> I got a Terminator story. <laughs> cool. So you find anything interesting this week? Have I found anything interesting this week? I found a leak under my sink. Well, that can be interesting, but usually not in a good way. Yeah. No, there's not been too much. I found one thing that kind of interests me. Uh, If you are a dice goblin, much like myself, there is a few companies out there that do monthly dice boxes. Uh, I did find one, uh, and I literally just lost it. Hold on. The monthly dice bag, or the monthly... Dice subscription service is from Critical Dice called the Endless Bag of Dice. It's a monthly subscription box. They send you two sets, two full sets of dice for about $12 a month. That's really not that bad for $12 a month to get two sets of really nice dice. And it looks like it comes with a coin or different monthly items, much like a lot of those monthly dice boxes or monthly subscription boxes. So that's something to check out. Yeah. So with that, I guess maybe, uh, do you know what we're going to talk about this week, Steve? No. No? No. Um, Well, you didn't tell me, and if you don't know, then how are we going to talk about it? Wait, but we're talking about no. 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 How to say no? Oh, 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 oh. Okay, that kind of no. Like, as in in when to say no as opposed to yes anding or, or things like that. 
Right. Aha. Yeah. How to how to say no to your players. Mm-hmm. Uh, when to say no to your players. Mm-hmm. How frequently to say no to your players. Yeah. You know, and, and we've talked about it. You know, it's it's not something you want to do a lot, but but there are times when it is the right thing to do. And and knowing when and how to do it can make a big difference in how your games work. I think one of the big things that helps when to say no is if you think about a session much like a conversation. It's a conversation between your players and yourself. So your your whole goal is to keep the conversation going. By saying no in the wrong way, that brings a very hard end to that conversation. Yeah, it can. If me and you are sitting here talking and you just look at me and go, well, how do you feel about this? And I just go, no. That just puts a like a very hard period on that whole conversation. Now, that's a really good thing in certain circumstances. If you want to stop something hard, that'll do it. Mm-hmm. You just have to be cautious because if you do that too much, your players will disrespect yeah, you. Yeah, well, you know, it's a, you know, role playing is, is, is about imagination. And at least for me, and I would assume for most people, it's kind of a, 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 a train thing. You know, it gets rolling and it's hard to stop. And if you stop it, it can be hard to start it again. Right. And it's, it's one of those things where that's why we encourage so hard to say yes and or maybe something along the lines of not saying no in a direct way, but saying no in a different way. By taking your player's idea, twisting it to sound like something they would want to do, but pointing it in the direction that you want it to go. Let's say I don't like the fall mechanics in Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. And my players go, well, I, I jump off this roof. And so I'm going to take, I'm going to do, you know, standard book fall, di- fall damage. That's when you sort of go, okay, but maybe let's twist that a little bit. Let's look at what's going on in the situation. You're falling off this roof. What's the floor like? You know, just because you're falling, just because you're taking X amount of fall damage coming down doesn't mean that you're not going to take more when you hit the bottom. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that's the idea. But it's, it's not saying, no, that's not how we're going to do this. We're going to do this a different way. It's adding to what's already there and changing it slightly. Yeah. Well, if I could tack into that a little bit, though, that is also a situation where it sounds to me like you've got a player that is metagaming the mechanics. And that's something that as a player you want to avoid because as a player, you know that, you know, George the Barbarian has 137 hit points and D&D falling damage is D6 per 10 feet. So well, I can jump off a 100-foot cliff and the most I'll take is 60 damage, so I'll be fine. Well, yes, but what barbarian, even in his fully raged-out, crazed mind, is going to jump off a 100-foot cliff on purpose? Right, and that's where you sort of have to have that conversation of, are you sure your character would do this? And, and that's not even saying no, that's just asking a simple question of, are you sure that your character would do this in-game and not you being analytical would do this. And that's that's one of the things that we want to get to is that saying no isn't always the answer. Now, there are times where you do just have to say no. Mm-hmm. There there are times where say you're say you have a player who's crossing say you have a player who's crossing a line they shouldn't be crossing. Mm-hmm. Something that other people at the table were like, you know, let's let's X card this and so you're trying to avoid 
You're trying to avoid situations even close to that. Right. That's when you look to your player and go, no, we're not going in that direction. Sorry. We sort of talked about this at the beginning of the game. We don't want any sort of storylines going that way. You have to be very cautious and shut that down early. Because if you let it go on, it can lead to problems. It, it can lead to uncomfortableness at the table. I mean, you don't want that. Yeah, or, you know, it can even go farther than that, really. But, right. you know, and that should be stuff, you know, again, that you, you set up and, and, you know, when you have a session zero or at least a pre-campaign conversation, if it's not a full, it's not a full-on session zero. Right. And that actually brings up something, you know, I, I had to learn how to say no kind of early as a GM because the first game I ever ran was Rifts. and Rifts has a reputation, rightly so, for having a very, 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 very bad power spiral because there is always something bigger and better just a few pages over or in the next splat book. And so when I was setting up to run a campaign, I had to tell a lot of people no as far as, you know, they wanted to play this thing because it's in the book. Well, yes, it's in the book. But if I let you play this, then everyone, you know, then I let this person play. And pretty soon, one of two things is going to happen. Either you're going to have one person running around with a mega-powered character that makes everyone else feel ineffective, which is no fun for anyone but the person who's doing everything, or you just create this scenario where now I've just got to go digging in the books to find bigger and badder things to put you up against because nothing's a challenge. And so you're saying no, but not saying no to this. You're saying, look, I want you to pick from, you know, we, we've all heard it in D&D. Someone says, you know, core book only or core book plus Xanathar's only. It's the same principle, but you are saying no to all this stuff that is in full authorized, whatever you want to call it, material. Right. That's good. It's good. If you don't want to have to deal with too many shenanigans as far as race or class or any of that stuff, that's why you would do something like core book plus Xanathars or anything along those lines. One of the things that you do need to stay away from is if you're going to do that, or say you're running a homebrew campaign, you need to stay away from, I made this weapon, you're using it wrong. Let your players do what they want to do with the things you give them. And if you feel they're using it wrong, that's okay. Let them use it wrong. Watch what happens. I'm sure there's something more interesting that's going to happen because if, if you created something, somebody else can take it and make it more interesting. This is just a fact of life. If I make a sword that talks and I go, all right, this is a talking sword, I'm going to run that differently than maybe you would run that, right? Oh, yeah. So saying no and going, Oh man, no, you're you're playing that. You're using that thing wrong. Well, hold on a minute. Maybe I'm using it the right way for me. Maybe that's how my brain works. Oh yeah, completely. Yeah, that's a, a time where I don't think you want to say no. You don't want to say it in the context of no, you're doing it wrong. Now, that that being said, to to kind of caveat that, if you have a player that comes to you and says hey, I'm not having fun with this build, and you can talk to them and go, okay, well, maybe if you do it this way, you know, you've been doing it, playing it this way, like at least a good example is is the ranger class in 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, 
is deceptively kind of a tricky class to play effectively because if you don't do things in the right order you miss out on a lot of their potential you know you need to put up hunter's mark you need to use your animal companion to do things right you know and so they can be really effective if you do things in the right order but if you don't do that you end up sitting there going well yeah i just kind of poked it with a sharp stick a couple times and that's all i did and so in that case like i said you don't want to if if the player is having fun doing it the way they're doing it then let them go but if they come to you and say hey i feel ineffective you can say well hey you know maybe maybe avoid saying you're playing it wrong but say hey maybe if if you do it in kind of this order maybe it'll feel a little different to you right again it goes back to the be very sparing on how you say no and hard no to people yes very much so because a lot of us you know it is sometimes your gut reaction to go no that's that's not how that's going to go but let your brain sort of wander let yourself get lost in that well, maybe what happens if it does go that way? Or, yes, but, yes, but, this happens. You know, in my opinion, Cyberpunk wouldn't be as fun if it wasn't for, let's do this. Well, yes, but this happens instead. Yeah. It's not a matter of, you know, it's like, in Dungeons & Dragons, it's like this, okay? In Dungeons & Dragons, you swing your weapon, maybe you don't miss. I, I hear a lot of a lot of DMs like to do that. Well, you swinged, you know, you swung at the enemy and you missed. Well, no, maybe I didn't miss. Maybe I hit him and his armor was too hard and it glanced off of him. Maybe he ducked. Maybe he grabbed my blade and flung it back at me. You know, maybe something magical happened. Maybe, you know, there's a number of things that you could do that is better than you swung at him and missed. Mm -hmm. It's it's better to go, well, you took a swing at him, and your attack glanced off of him. I'm going to believe that more than you swung on a guy that's five feet away from you and missed. Yeah. Like, no, that hear a lot of stream DMs now describing combat that way with, with attack rolls that don't connect for damage. Right. It's, and I feel that's just a better way than... It's less ones and zeros. It's a better way than yes or no. It it's, gives you something to visualize while... Yes, you did miss that attack, but why did you miss that attack? Yeah, you know? no, that's exactly, you know, kind of a thing where it's it's not a no per se, but it is in a lot of ways. It's like, no, you didn't do anything effective. Well, you're not saying that. You're saying, yeah, you swung at him and, and it glanced off his shoulder or, you know, whatever. Well, I, I, I've done it once, and I always like doing this, and I like the reaction of my players when I do it. You go up against a big bad guy. Maybe he's strong. They take an, make an attack on him, and his armor class is higher than what they're normally used to seeing. You take a swing at him, and he grabs your blade and flings it back to you. <laughs> like, just stops your attack midair. So now you're going, this guy's a badass. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're not sitting there going, oh man, I, I missed. You're sitting there going, oh, this mm -hmm. guy's more than... This guy's more than what I've normally faced. You know, this isn't just some henchman. This is the big bad guy. Yeah, that's a good good tip. I had never thought of using it that way. I've done it a couple times. Like I said, it's it's one of those things that I don't pull it out very often. But what had happened was the, the main reason I used it once was 
my players decided to take on the final boss when they were like level six. Uh huh. They're like, we're going to go to his castle and just storm his house and go fight him. I'm like, okay, you do that. Uh, <laughs> what classes you want to play next? <laughs> well, but there's an example of you could have just said no. And yeah. You didn't. And, but I didn't say no because, and the fact of the matter is, is there's a lot of people who are afraid to kill characters in Dungeons and Dragons. And it, it's really rough. It's hard to lose a character. But... At the same time, if you let that character, if you give that character an honorable death, that player is going to be like, oh man, remember how, remember how Sean, my bard, went out? Like, he walked up to the big bad guy and took a swing at him and the bad guy just hit me in the face and killed me? Mm -hmm. But remember how, like, awesome it was? Yeah, you're going to, you're going to think more favorably on that than you would all of the times that you just managed to scrape by and survive. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have, for me, at least as a player, I have no problem with character death, but I'd like to make it memorable. Yes. I, I've heard a lot of people say, I've heard some people argue that, you know, character death isn't necessarily the mark of a good story. Well, it's not, but memorable character death is. A reason for that player to remember why their character died or how their character died or what their character did up to their death is a mark of a good GM, a good player. Because it is a, it's a back and forth. It's not just one-sided, you know. It, what a character does is not up to me or you. That's up to the player. Well, you know, and, and memorable, I mean, and I don't want to hold this up as a roleplay example, but we've probably all at this point seen the Leroy Jenkins clip. Yeah. You know, it's memorable. Not saying I would want to be involved in a game where a person did that in an RPG context, but it is memorable. And, and depending on the character you were playing, I guess you could justify it. Yeah, and, you know. At that point, though, maybe that is a situation where, as the GM, you do say no because it's going to end badly for everyone. And it's just one person being selfish or spotlight huggy so what i what i would do personally as a gm in that situation so let's let's set up the let's set up the leroy jenkins situation we're standing outside of the room to a big bad guy i'm gming i got a couple people playing one guy looks at me and goes i run in just you know we're planning this he gets fed up with the planning and just goes i run in go fight the big bad guy and they're like we chase him i go okay let's role play this out so you all go in, we're going to have this combat, and it ends badly for them. At that point, I look at them and go, now that you've theorized that's how that's going to go, let's roll back to the planning stage and try that again. Basically, I save their characters and go, you suggested that, you guys acted it out, and realized, no, this is going to end badly for all of us, and so we rolled it back and tried again. Because I've had that happen. That's a, that's a neat way to do that. I kind of like that. Because I've had that happen with very new players and very young players where they want to do, like, I'm talking about children. Mm -hmm. They want to do the big crazy thing. Okay, so here's what happens. So you go in and you do that and you go, okay, well, now that we've discussed that's how that's going to go down, let's go back to making a better plan. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I like that idea. And, and that's you being a GM going yes and no at the same time. Yeah. That's that's you going, 
okay, yes, let's do that. But you're also saying, no, you're not compromising the whole party in that particular way. Mm -hmm. And if the players protest, okay, that's how your party ends. That's, I mean, that's okay. Yeah. But I don't think most reasonable people aren't going to protest to that. Yeah. Unless it, unless it, unless it makes thematic sense, in which case don't even roll it back at that point. Like if you, if you as the DM have to understand what your players are doing, but yeah, I've, I've done that. I haven't done that as much, but I did that like once just because I had a couple really young players and they didn't quite, they were very excited and they were very wanting to play and wanting to get into combat. And it's like, okay, that's fine. We can do that. But Got to understand that this is a team game. Yeah, yeah. Well, you used it so to speak as a teaching tool, and I think that's 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 a really good idea. I was going to say if you want next, I was going to go to a, a case where I did kind of just know someone, and and probably looking back on it, should have handled it a little differently. Uh, this was, I think, the first adventure in the the cyberpunk campaign that that I ran for us that kind of fizzled out because of COVID. But in any case. First session of the game, and of course, at this point, you know, pretty much the whole table other than you and I is, is just learning the system. And I had someone who wanted to try and, and do a hacking maneuver, but was not a net runner, was actually just a techie and was going to try it with just their laptop. And I just knowed him. And, and in the moment, I, I, how do I want to say this? You were there. I don't think I was wrong to say no, but I probably could have handled it a lot better. I don't think you were wrong in saying no. I think, yeah, you're right. You would have, you could have handled that a little bit better. It's, it was a, it was a tough situation because he didn't quite have a grasp of what his character was to do. So yes. it, it, it's, it's okay. It was okay for you to say no at that point, because mm -hmm. it would be like a barbarian going, well, I'm going to cast this spell. Well, wait, 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 wait a minute. No, uh, no, you're not. Um, are you multi-class? No, you're not. Oh, okay, cool. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, but but thinking back on it, and of course, you know, obviously, it's easy when you have months and whatever to think about it. But you know, I could have gone the route of, okay, well, so you're going to pull out your laptop, and I'm just asking this honestly because I'm moderately tech impaired as a person. But you know, what's your average laptop take to boot now? Thirty to forty-five seconds. Yeah, something along those lines. Okay, in cyberpunk terms, that's five rounds. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, you're going to pull out your laptop while these crazed robo-dogs are snapping at you and try and fight with it for the next four or five rounds. Okay. Right. Well, I think one of the things that you could have done is maybe he gets his laptop out. Maybe you just, you go, okay, you have your laptop already booted. It's ready to go. You try and hack in. Something goes wrong. Your laptop is now on fire. Yeah. Like. You're not a, the the argument is that you're not a you're not a net runner. You don't really know this. You know how to do a little bit of this and that, but I think it's more along the lines of you just have to. So no wasn't. I'm not going to say no was the wrong thing to say there because I I do think based on how little how little of a grasp they had understanding the game, no is not a bad thing to say. Mm. But you gotta as a player, it's a push and shove. When your DM says no. Don't get defensive, but also ask why. Uh, why, why, why no? Why, why not? Yeah. But that's just something that, and we've all been there. I mean, I had a player that insisted he, he wanted, he wanted a companion in the game. He's like, I want, I want a companion in game. 
I want to bring her with me everywhere. I want a companion in game. And I just looked at him and was like, no. And I shouldn't have. I should have let him have the companion and then done narrative things with it. But I just, my brain was like, no, I'm not letting you have that because that's another character I don't want to have to roleplay. Well, that was wrong on my end. That's just the fact of the matter. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, anyone out there who's run a game has thought to themselves, oh, great they're going to have another pet with them or, you know, another follower that now I have to remember all these things about them. You know, it, it, look, if you're, if you're a player out there, here's something you need to remember. The person who's, who's running the game has to try and, you know, no, they don't need to know every character at the table the way that each player knows it, but they have to keep in their head a catalog of, at least a basic list of things that this character is good at, could do. And then they're also trying to, in addition to remembering six characters that are being controlled by someone else, they're also trying to juggle that with all these other characters in a world and a story that you're trying to tell. And, you know, and then let's say, you know, you're, you're using music in the game. So they're trying to make sure that the right track of music on, you know, as a player, try and remember that the person running the game has a lot of stuff on their mind. And like when we talked about, you know, GMing for the first time, it almost sounds like I'm saying it's really, really difficult. Well, it is and it isn't. There's a lot to it. But I guess what I'm trying to say is as a player, try and make your GM's job easier. That makes sense? Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's, yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like, just try not to, try not to fight with your, try not to fight with your GM too much. That's where a lot of issues come in. Yeah. Well, look, and, and we're all real people too, you know? I mean, you could have a bad day, you know? You, they could have had a really crappy week at work and now they're just still, you know, there's a lot of frustration simmering under whatever. And as much as we all try to leave real life behind when we sit down at the table to roll dice, it doesn't always work. Yeah, I completely agree with that. You know, I think, too, you can get into times where even if you're playing a game where the players are actively involved in describing elements of the setting or the environment, where every now and then, you know, the player says, well, I think there should be a this thing. You know, sometimes... GM has to step in and say no because it doesn't fit the tone or the like we'll just say you know you're 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 on an adventure and you come into this temple of the blood cult we'll say and your GM looks at the table and goes well what do you guys find in this temple of the blood cult and someone goes there's a big chest of treasure well okay look as players we all want to find big chests of treasure that's not really fun in the context of the game. Like, what the GM's asking at that point is, you know, what do you envision the inside of this this blood cult, what do you envision their chapel looking like? So he's looking, you know, are there, you know, vats of blood or, you know, I don't know. But you know what I'm saying? Like, Right, I got you. I understand what you're getting at. It's, you're looking for a description of the room, not necessarily an actual thing that's inside of it. Right. Right. And, and like, you know, like with anything, I think it's a two way street because 
as a player, if you're going to give a response to that that is just, I don't know what the right word for that is, but that's just metagamey, then be prepared to have the DM go, uh, no. But at the same point, if, you know, and I guess this goes back to like when we were talking about horror games, if, you know, as the D, if the GM is being intentionally vague about it, maybe it's, it's, it's encouraging you to paint your own picture. And that's what they're, they're asking this question to get you to paint part of the picture for everybody. You know, not what concrete item do you find, but, but what does this look like in your mind? Right. And it's, it's just trying to get an idea. But I think one of the things, one of the big things is that, and, and you just hit on it, and I think we've talked about it a little bit, but I want to go back to it just because when you say no, say no and then because, or no and here's why. Give a reason why you're saying no, because one of the biggest, 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 biggest mistakes you can do is just say no. You could just look at somebody and go no, and then not explain yourself, and again, it goes back to that, puts a hard stop on everything. Yeah. It makes your players understand your thought process and everything a little bit smoother when you go, no, because the sky is blue. You know what I mean? Yeah. It even if it's a simple explanation, just make sure it's logical. Just go, no, because this. And as long as it's logical, even if it's simple, nine times out of ten, your players are going to be like, oh, okay. Okay, yeah. I understand. And And look, there could be... If you've gamed for any length of time, you've probably got the no, and you ask why, and they say, because of things you don't know yet. And as a GM, it's kind of a dodge answer, but it's a perfectly valid one at the same time. Yes. It can be, I guess, is a, is a better way to say it. Be very careful with that. That's fair. Just because that can, if if you don't pay that off, Okay, let me just put it this way. If you don't pay that off, that was a very bad cop-out, and if your players are paying attention, they're going to probably call you on that and go, hey, what happened to this? Yeah, no, that that is true. I, I, I would not use that unless you mean it, so to speak, and are prepared to, to show the payoff for it. Yeah, you you got to be able to put your money where your mouth is on that one. Yeah. That's that's my only thing with that one is that you can't just say you can't just say no because of things you don't know yet and then not really like I said, not really play into that cuz yeah. that will just like I said, yeah, it's 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 going to if you don't ever play out of that, it's going to make your players like resent essentially yeah i like like you said you know and i didn't think about it as much when i first said it but yeah you do want to be really careful with using that one and and so to speak make sure that you have a plan for it at the very least yeah so uh where else we go in here <laughs> i'm glad you said that because i was thinking the same thing <laughs> i mean you know we kind of touched on table safety touched on creation and balance i think we've kind of touched on everything as far as saying no mm -hmm. i almost everything i'm sure let me put it out there if you think there's something that we didn't touch on in this episode you just reach out to us and tell us hey why didn't you talk about this and i'm sure we can get back to you on that yeah yeah you know what yeah if the, if there's a, a no situation that you've had happen to you 
and we didn't address it and you'd like us to, email us. Come find us on Discord. Link for the Discord's on the Twitter. Yeah, Twitter, link for the Discord's Facebook. on the Twitter. It's in the show notes. Yeah, it's in the show notes. Yeah, it's it's everywhere. Come find us. Ask us. At at the very least, we'll we'll have a conversation with you. We'll make up an answer and hope it helps. Uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, seriously, we'll we'll try to help you th- with anything we can. I mean, we're we're by no means experts, but we're two people who really love RPGs and and want to see people have a good time with them. Right. We're here to, like you just said, we're here to help. We're here to get you to be better players and better GMs. And, and we're here to make ourselves better players and better GMs. By no means are we perfect or Matt Mercer or any of those, you know, I'm not anywhere close to GM Eric or GM Chris. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, but see, I, I'm secretly Matt Mercer, but I just don't look uh, like you just, person. You just don't show it? <laughs> yes. That, that's why I'm always at work because I have to fly out to California Every you know, day. Go through a lot of makeup and yeah. Now he's only what I don't know, four inches taller than me and a hundred pounds lighter. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's what we're getting at is that if you think we're missing something in this episode, if you're like, Oh man, I wish they'd have talked about this or if you wanna no, don't dox them, but if you're like, Man, I'm playing in this campaign with this guy and he's doing this, yeah, well we can sort of help you give suggestions or if you're like hey you guys should reach out to them and ask questions well yeah i'll i'll give answers to any almost any questions i don't know everything but yeah i'll give it a stab obviously don't ask us i don't know what the universe means okay i I don't it's just not a thing i can answer that for you 42 uh yeah i've heard but i mean like (laughs) but at the same time you know I'm not very good at math, so don't ask me about any any equations, but I can answer RPG questions all day long. But yeah, or, you know, if you've got a topic that you'd like to see us address, you know, stop on the Discord or, you know, hit us up on Twitter or Facebook or whatever and let us know. Well, I mean, and I'll, I'll just say this, we had a request for solo RPGs, that we are working on that particular episode. That's going to take us a little bit of time, but we are working on that episode to get make sure that we're getting you good advice and and getting you good ideas out there so yeah because i'll be other than knowing that there are games out there designed with solo play in mind i know absolutely nothing about solo play rbgs exactly and i i knew they existed that's about the farthest i've known i Mm -hmm. i couldn't i couldn't list five off the top of my head so we're working on we're working on getting the right information and getting educated on that one to help you guys mm-hmm. because like I said we did have a request for that and so I just want to I want to put it out there that we are working on it <laughs> not that we completely ignored you so yeah yeah we've got a got someone in mind for an interview that we're we're trying to get set up but you know given real life things that everyone has to deal with it's not always easy right it's not always easy recording the podcast every week sometimes yeah well you know and I mean not to to complain about it because in a lot of ways I feel fortunate that what I do for a living hasn't really been impacted by by all the COVID stuff. But, you know, right now I'm working 60 plus hours a week plus my commute time and then podcast takes another five to six hours a week by the time we record the the amount of BSing we do before and after and, and you know, Editing post-processing. And, yeah, everything, everything that goes into the podcast. So as a side note, you know, 
talked about this last episode. We did partner with D20 Radio. Very excited about that. You heard that at the top of the show. You heard us talk about another D20 show on the network. Happy to have, like I said, that partnership going. If you have a suggestion for the show, if you think we could do this better or we could do that better, or if you like the news segment we did at the beginning of the show, because I'm not always on top of news, but we could definitely get better at that. If you like that, if you want, if you don't like games of the week, I like games of the week, but if you don't like it, tell us. I, I want your feedback. We really genuinely want your feedback just to know where we can go and what we can do to make a better show for you guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it, it, at the end of the day, it is for mm-hmm. you. It is. So, because, uh, you know, look, I mean, yeah, we started this podcast because we used to stand around in a cold, dark parking lot and talk to each other for hours and figured, well, heck, maybe somebody else would like it. And so the worst thing we're going to do is go back to standing around a cold, dark parking lot and talking to each other. Well, the worst thing we're going to do is go to, well, look, I'll be honest, if we lost all of our listeners tomorrow, we'd still be recording the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell them that. <laughs> We paid for hosting, damn it, we're going to put something on there. Yeah, that's it exactly. I'm just, I'm one of those people where, like, I like talking to you enough that I I put this out there because I know that our conversations are helpful to other people because I've heard people that have listened to us talk go, man, I want to hear you guys, like, every week. But I do it for the audience, but at the same time, I do it because I like having the conversation with you. So oh, yeah, I enjoy talking with you as well. You know, with that, it is time to go into the aforementioned game of the week, is it not? Game of the week. Game of the week. Game of the week. Well, I need some time, so why don't you go ahead and do yours? Okay, well, I can do that. And um, this one, I, I actually was thinking about using it a couple episodes ago, and I went a different direction. And then after, well, after talking with GM Chris... And then actually this afternoon at work, I was listening to an episode of his Forge podcast and they actually interviewed the person who wrote it. And well, to to give GM Chris's quote on this, this setting is so good, it makes me want to quit. This is a setting for, for Genesis. It's, it's on the Foundry, which is the, call it the DMs Guild for Genesis on DriveThruRPG. This is a setting called Salvage. And the the guy who wrote it is trying to describe it as what he's calling junk punk. To read the little blurb, scorching sand hot enough to melt tires. Homicidal alien robots. Wondrous relics buried beneath mountains of junk. It's all part of life on Omega. The last planet anyone would want to call home. Unfortunately, you don't have a choice. What life will you salvage from the wreckage? Will you hunt down rusting mechanical monsters? Salvage valuable scrap from wrecked starships of your ancestors. Discover mysterious technologies within time-worn alien ruins. How will you build your destiny in this dangerous land? And it's, I mean, the art is beautiful. It's, it's really, like, I, I don't know how to describe it other than it's kind of a post-apocalyptic steampunkish in a way, but it's... I mean, he's he's drawn up new rules for salvaging scrap and using that to modify gear, vehicles, even your character themselves. You know, he's got a mechanic in there that basically builds you points based on you failing skill checks. There's there's some psychic powers in there. He's got four new archetypes, which is 
I'm not sure exactly what those are. I think they're, they have archetypes and careers. I think archetype is, you know what, I'm not sure. But they have four new archetypes, 16 new careers, and 50 new talents in this setting. So, I mean, the, a lot of work went into this, and interesting bit of information that I heard, and, and like I said, this was on the Forge podcast, I believe episode 19, towards the end. They interviewed the guy that wrote this. His name is Gerard Matthew, or Jared. Jared, not Gerard. Anyway, they interviewed him, and the person who did the editing on this was actually Sam Stewart, who was the head of RPGs at Fantasy Flight, and as you heard from Chris a couple weeks ago, is now the head of RPGs for Edge Edge Studios. Well, the guy that wrote this did not actually recognize his name, and what had happened is in the, the layoff period where they had been let go by Fantasy Flight, and had yet to be picked up by Edge, a lot of the RPG people from Fantasy Flight had gone on to the forums and whatnot where they knew there were, you know, Genesis is a game that was designed for fan content creation. So they went on to the forums and basically posted, like, look, anyone needs help with stuff, you know, specifically for the Foundry because that had, had been announced prior to the, the layoff stuff starting. So, you know, anyone wants help with, you know, editing, layout, that type of stuff, you know, here's a, an, a, an email address to get a hold of somebody. So, you know, this, the guy that wrote this sent his email in and this guy named Sam answers him about editing. And so he, you know, he worked with him. He said it was a wonderful experience to work with him and, you know, learned a lot and blah, blah, blah. Said when he was getting ready to fill in his credits page and he looked at the Genesis core book to have an idea of how they formatted theirs because he wanted it to look similar, he saw Sam Stewart's name and realized who he'd been working with. He, he was just completely gobsmacked. And uh, like I say, it was a funny story to hear him tell. But yeah, uh, both Chris and Hooley were, were absolutely raving about this setting. And, and to be completely honest, this feels like the type of game that really stirs my imagination. So uh, that's Salvage. For Genesis, and it's it's on uh, it's on Drive Through RPG now. It is PDF only, but it's it's ten bucks. So I think that's going to be real high on my list of things once I get a a, a copy of the Genesis Core Rules. That's going to come live at my house. Nice. So mine is actually one that you sent me. Okay. I'm taking Solomon Kane. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, Solomon Kane is a I'll just read the short blurb from drive through So it's a landless man, a wanderer, a Puritan. It's it just, from my understanding of this, is it's a, basically a Wild West game set with a character who's, who follows the path of Cain, which means that he would probably be cursed, much like a vampire. Is that my understanding of this? Okay. Well, I don't know a lot about the story, but it appears to be based on the works of Robert E. Howard, who most noticeably, or most notably, is known for Conan the Barbarian and Call the Conqueror. Yeah, I, I dig it. I like this savage. Like, I like the I like Conan. So this is up my alley. If this is truly like I suspect it would be, because um, they're talking about you know. Savage tales and horrible creatures, merciless foes. I think this could be really cool. I I just go check out Solomon Kane. It's fifteen bucks for a watermark PDF of it on Drive Through. 
just seems pulpy and really awesome. Now, what engine does that run in? Uh, that's what I'm trying to find myself. Let me take a look here. It'll tell me on Savage Worlds. Okay. So there's a fun trick. If you're ever wondering, which you probably all know this, but if you're ever wondering what engine the game is running on, if you're on drive through on the computer and you go over to the sidebar that says product information, you'll see the author or authors. You'll see the rule systems. That's how you can tell what engine is. It tells you how many pages, what size the format or what size the file is and all kinds of interesting stuff. It also tells you the publisher under that, which is pinnacle. So it should be pretty well, pretty well made. Yeah. It looks like I see the uh, Savage Worlds logo on the front of that too. Yeah, it does have the Savage Worlds logo on the front of it, but I can't. That's a big book, too. Yeah, it's it's 352 pages, so it's a lot of stuff. It says that it's everything you need to play the game, so. Okay, so it, it yeah, because I know a lot of Savage Worlds stuff. You need the uh, the core book as well, but this looks like it, it includes, oh, yeah, it says, here it is, inside the 352-page book, complete award-winning Savage Worlds. Savage Worlds rules customized for Kane's world. Setting and magic rules. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. That, this looks like, yeah, that, we could have a lot of fun with that. I could have some fun with that. <laughs> <laughs> I could have some fun with that. But, yeah, so that's my game of the week. Sorry for the, I uh, was unprepared, so. No, you just had too many to pick from. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's the problem. But. With that, we want to thank you for listening. We want to remind you to be kind to one another and get out there and play some games. Yes. Be nice to each other. Play some games and have fun. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can also find us at facebook.com slash meandsteverpg. Thank you and be kind to each other. for the cigar. Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that.